Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to We Say Things, episode 71. My name is Suns Fan. Joining me is Cinderin, otherwise known as Cinderman. Greetings. Only to you, yes. Greetings. I think it's Hello. a good idea if you change your name permanently. I think it's better for your career. As a whole, you can be a superhero <laughs> in your own field. <laughs> What's um, my superpower? Being late. <laughs> yeah, you are always late. That's not not always. No, Just it's, a little bit. it's pretty much no. always. Uh, no, but that's okay. You know, what, most people that watch this are not watching live, so they don't care what time you do it, Cinderin. And now uh, you're also making it sound like I'm very late. Usually, it's just like a minute or two. You're typically hours late, but you know, okay. I'm willing to stay up till four a.m. to do this podcast. I'm a little bit more, you know, into this thing than you. It's it's more important mm. for me. It means a lot. Understood. Uh, you will stay up until five a.m. every night, anyway. Yeah, that just that's a coincidence. Okay, so yep. uh, Patreon shoutouts as usual. The Imbruge tier get a little shout out here. I'll start it out, Cinder, and thank you too. I, Cinderin, want to talk about talk more about the NBA. Damn, I should have had you read this. Uh, uh, T.I. in oh, New no, Zealand. You messed up. I, I did mess it up as well. Why don't you say that one just so he can have satisfaction? I'll do the first half. Okay. I, Cinderin, want to talk more about the NBA. I don't. T.I. in New Zealand. Zan Xavier. Suns fan Pudge Omega Lol. Nate Thicko, 01, Ham Scroats, Bacon, no, not that bacon, the other bacon, choking my pulsating beep while moonwalking into an NBA locker room. So the reason I was going to read these out is because I'm the one, believe it or not, that had to censor that. Uh, so please change your name. That went a little bit too far. Um, <laughs> a little too graphic for our sponsors, I would think, or lack thereof. Go ahead, Cinderin. See, this is why we can't have sponsors. It's because of the patrons. <laughs> Ruining everything. Lick, yeah. Shark TM, Hoey988, Freshly Seasoned Goat Balls, Change Will Happen, Poop Feast 420, and The Hooker Who Entered the NBA Bubble. Well, there we go. We were just about to get sponsored. Right? <laughs> <coughs> All right. Also, thank you, too. Ben, I don't think it was a hooker, by the way, but we can go down that road if we want. Uh, ben Broomhead pronounces in Bruges as in Bruges. Here ben we go again. Jackson pronounces it correctly. My boy, Dop. Ooh. All right. Usually you do this one. Khvid Lug. Chosnek. Garlic. And in parentheses, Team Broomhead. Uh, thank you to Fane, Mr. Underscore Man, as always. Ben Jackson is a known liar. Of course, Ben Broomhead pronounces in Bruges correctly, for he is tremendously and overwhelmingly cool. Pitch Black, Terry Tip, Wooden Aftertaste, Dun Talk. The coward, dyslexic lawyer, anonymous, and last but not least, our friend Ronnie Keel, who, by the way, told me it was perfectly fine that he was last in there, and he's not sad at all about it. 
That's good. Thank you so much. Um, now, before we get started with the Dota content, I'm going to start a new series, a new segment, Cinderin, in the intro okay. area, which is now, where okay. it's not going to be every week. It's whenever I feel the need. Suns fan right. recommends something. So normally, this is how it was going to go. I was going to recommend stuff to you at the end of episodes, which it started with in Bruges, and we just never got past the first one, right? It's just a continuing fucking question every week, which will never be answered in the way that I want. So I figured... I would do a Suns fan recommends and then just anything that I'm reading, watching, whatever for the general public. And it's not for Cinder. This, I do not recommend anything else for Cinder other than <laughs> in Bruges. Okay. I just want to make that clear. Uh, so today, this is an interesting one because as you guys may or may not know, I am not a big, I'm not big into animation as in like, if you watch a Pixar animation or a cartoon, it's not that I don't like them, but I, will typically not take the time, like spend the extra time to watch an entire season of something or a big a movie or whatever, unless Nikki forces me. So Nikki started watching a show, and I was kind of watching an episode here and there. I was like, eh. And after a while, I, I watched all three seasons, and it's kind of old. And of course, I've heard of it before, and it was actually incredible. A lot of people think I'm stupid for not having watched this before, Avatar The Last Airbender. Have you heard of it, Cinder? I'm sure you've yes. heard of it. Have you I seen have. it? Not that I yes. care. What? You've no. seen it? Okay, thank God. Anywho. <laughs> Don't it... give me thank God. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> I just want to be more cultured than you, you know? Like, I, I'd seen part of the movie that they came out with a while back with the M. Night Shyamalan movie, which was absolutely atrocious. So I didn't, wasn't really into the idea of watching this show, but. After watching it, and again, it's a Nickelodeon cartoon. It's really fucking good. Extremely good. The lore is incredibly deep. Uh, the episodes, if you're an adult watching it, like this does not seem like a kid show. Like, it doesn't get like super gory or anything, but there's a lot of adult topics that I guess for the most part just go over kids' heads. So I would recommend if people have not seen that yet, although I believe it was from the, I want to say the early 2000s. It's been a while. It is really fucking good if you're into like good storylines and stuff like that. You know so. what, Shannon? Now I can recommend something for you to watch. I don't know if I've recommended this for you before. I don't, I don't want think to hear I have. It. Oh, yes, you do want to hear this. Okay. I have watched one anime the whole way, only one. And it's a very similar story to, to yours where it's like my girlfriend was like, hey, let's watch this together. We should really watch this. And I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to. And then we ended up watching it and it was really, really good. Yuri on Ice. Have you heard of that? I feel like I've heard of it, but no, I have not seen it at the very least. You should, uh, you should watch that. It's so, really nice. It's, so basically the, the, the overall plot line of it and the overall story is about a guy who's trying to become the best in the world at figure skating. Um, it sounds kind of lame when you say it, does, it, but it sounds the, really, really good. Lame. And the music, the music is so good. I absolutely love it. It has is really it, good piano tracks. And so it's an like anime. Piano, like. So it's Japanese, yeah. right? Yes. Okay. So I think I think it's Japanese. So I assume that Air, the Avatar: The Last Airbender yes, was Japanese. Japanese or anime or something. It's American. Like at first I was watching, I'm like this is pretty good dubbing, like voice acting for like a dub, but it's originally English, which kind of blew my mind. But for anime, I'm again, Nikki forces me to watch stuff occasionally. Usually I don't like it. The one forces. anime I've what, seen. What does she do if you don't watch it? Um, she tells me I can't play Dota today. Okay. I don't know. Damn. She, she just she na she 
complains for weeks until I finally succumb to it. Like, oh, right, I can relate episode. to complaining. Forcing yes. something else. Yeah, true. It's a different kind of. It's a. It's a very. Mm-hmm. It, you, you plant the seed early on, and eventually it grows into yeah, something. Yeah. But Sao, yeah. I like the first season of. The rest is garbage. And Attack on Titan is okay. Uh, but yeah, anime is kind of a usually a miss for me personally. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'll be sure not to watch that show. But thank you, yeah. Sindarin. Nikki, Nikki will like it. I'm sure Nikki will like it. I'm sure she can watch it without yeah, you for sure. Um, I have one more thing to recommend, Jen, but this is not a show. But you know what? I've you know, been sorry before you go. I, I just, lately. I just mm-hmm. want to say that this is called Suns Fan Recommends. Yeah, yeah you yeah. want to come out with your own segment by any yeah. chance? Cinderin recommends better things. Is my segment <laughs> comes right after. Oh, perfect. All right. Go uh, you ahead. know what I've started doing again? That I used to play this a while back, and now I've started playing it a bit again. Is chess, Shannon? It's really nice to play chess, and on the huh. different online pages of chess, something that I actually play more than the game itself. I play the puzzles. It's actually very nice. You should try that. Puzzles. What kind yeah, of puzzles? Yeah. So it gives you it gives you a board that's in a specific game state, and you need to figure out what the best oh. following moves is for one of the players. And the way it determines what the best moves are is based on the best chess computer in the world called Stockfish. So it calculates like forward many, many, many turns, and you need to figure out what is the best possible play this player can make. And it's it's got like an ELO system similar to if you play the game itself. So the puzzles increase in difficulty as you get better. Um, it's a really nice like brain game to just sit with for half an hour or an hour. Mm-hmm. And if you play it right before bed, uh, your brain is racing and you can't sleep. So I can recommend that if you want to stay awake. <laughs> So, oh, excellent. Thank yeah. you. Yes, I have trouble yeah. enough sleeping as it is. Uh, yeah, I used to play chess back no, in the day. And it's, then it's nice. Uh, it's really a friend, nice. a family friend came over, my brother's older friend, actually, and he cheated against me. And then I accused him of cheating and he denied it vehemently. And we got into a mm-hmm. big fight and we haven't talked since then, which has been 20 years now. So I haven't played chess <laughs> since that point as well. Um, just How did really he left cheat? a scar. I don't remember anymore how he cheated, but he cheated. Like, how do you cheat in chess if you're playing in person? Uh, well, keep in Did mind... Did he pretend would... he was texting someone and then he actually had a, a computer playing? As much as I hate to say it, texting wasn't even in existence yet at that time. So he just moved a piece in a way that's not allowed and you didn't realize. I d- Cinder, I was like 10. I don't remember. That... Okay. It's been a while. All right. Well, tell me it's this. Like getting, Why is chess? It's uh... like getting scammed, and then you get caught by an obvious scam, and then you complain that the other person is scamming. When in reality, you were the idiot that well, fell no, for it. Kind it's of not thing. like I played the whole game. I told him you just cheated, and he denied it, and I got into a big fight with him. What else are you supposed yeah. to do? If somebody scams you, and you're like, "You scammed me," they're also going to deny it. You need to prove it. What? Okay. And then so you're I'm like, gonna... "These are the rules. You just moved like this. You can't do that." Let me get this videotape. This is that why I was... you tape every game you play. If you have a board game night, right, set up good. cameras every room, including the bathroom, so they can't like take out pieces and exchange them. <laughs> you cameras in every room. Oh, never wow, trust anyone. That is disturbing. Actually, I can't even imagine what it's like to live with, with you. Jesus H. We haven't had people over for board games. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, uh, maybe you can answer this for me before we move on to Dota. Why? Why is chess all of a sudden? It feels like for me again. That's a good question. All of a sudden, a thing. I know what you're uh, going to say. Twitch. Yeah, it's really big on Twitch. It's like become huge. I don't. I don't know. I feel like chess has always been big, right? This game has been big forever. So yeah. the fact that it's big on Twitch might just be like one or two people that have kind of just decided to, hey, why isn't there more chess on Twitch and then pushed for it? And I think Twitch has bought into it and they've made like Twitch rivals with it, I think. And 
some other tournament lately that was called Pog Champs, where they had like it, it was so fun for me to watch. It was like grandmasters and international masters commentating Waga playing against uh who was it? Waga was the Dota personality that was playing in it, but there were like different XQC was playing. Like most of the players were like 900 to 1200 ELO, and there were these grandmasters sitting and commentating. It was so weird. It was like the opposite. 900. So what does that mean? What does that compare so, to a grandmaster ELO? Uh, grandmasters have generally an ELO of, I, I want to say above 26, 2700, maybe. Maybe this is wrong. Like I don't know the exact numbers, and I don't know how you earn the title. I don't think it's only ELO based. It might be like tournament accomplishments or whatever. Hmm. Uh, but like 900 ELO probably compares to, I don't know, 2K in Dota or something, maybe 3K. And these other guys are like 9Ks commentating their play. Um, so that was kind of fun to watch. Like they were really passionate about it and actually really trying to make it a good show. So that was fun. And I think the biggest chess person on Twitch who was also part of it, of course, Hikaru Nakamura. Uh, I believe he's the number one rated player in the US and actually a competitor for the big international titles right now. He's like really, really good. He is very good on camera and very good on stream. So I think that's done a lot for the game on Twitch, like having a a spearhead like that. Um, so yeah, I think the potential has probably been there for many years. Nobody's just run with it until this last year. Because like, it's not like anything has really changed with chess, right? Nothing changes with chess. The roles have been the same for 2,000 what years. What if they buffed the knight? Goes in Oof. extra space, you know? Don't think it needs a buff. What if the rook could go through a pawn? OP. It Version 2.0. Uh, yeah, I that's thought really you were cool. going to say knight can go through a pawn. But yeah. I meant like through a friendly pawn. To get to something else behind. <laughs> All right. It's so funny to think about if you change like any tiny rule in chess, the yeah. whole game just. Well, there's other kinds of chess too. There's like 3D chess. Yeah. Uh, there's 4D chess. There's Star Trek chess. I don't. I don't know anything about this, but there's some weird ones. Uh, I don't know how they work, but either way, it is cool to see. Kind of an old classic, uh, in, with a modern flair now. All right, starting the news out, Topson is a father. I'm just going to read his tweet. He tweeted out, It's a girl, Mawar, and I couldn't be happier, and the birth went smooth. I love her so much already. And there's a picture of the cute little baby. So congratulations baby. to Topson. Uh, there's a lot of fathers. This came out of nowhere to me, by the yeah. way. I don't know if yeah, the, had had anyone... You didn't know it either, right? Nope. I don't... Not that I'm in the know. I haven't know, really I'm talked really to a lot of people about this. They haven't, I mean, at least I haven't seen or heard anybody talk about that it's happening or that he posted, my girlfriend is pregnant or my wife, whatever it is. Uh, so this was just, hey, here's my baby out of nowhere. So, I mean, I think generally people do that in different ways. I don't know if it's just Dota esports in general, but there's a few people that are very, very private with, uh, mm -hmm. you know having their first or second kid yeah. or whatever the case may be. I, I can think of somebody. I'm not going to name them because I can't even remember if this is public anymore, but it was at least a secret for like two years, uh, the big person only having a kid, which yeah, I think that's a good thing to keep it kind of away sure. from the public eye. There's always obviously negatives that come with it. Um, yep. But yeah, I mean, congratulations. That's the thing. Could have also, but, but it seems like they wanted to share it, right? Usually, like... Yeah. I don't know, this is like weird generalization, but usually when it comes to children, people are excited to announce that they're having a baby and then that they're giving birth or they want to just keep it private, right? 
this is like a weird in between where you don't announce that it's happening until literally on the spot that you have a child. So that's, I don't know to me, this was a bit different than most announcements I see about stuff like that. But like, whatever works for them, it's obviously completely private and there's nothing that's better than the other one. I it's... should have checked this. How old is Thompson? He's pretty freaking young, right? Uh, He's got to be like early 20s. 22. Maybe? Okay, 22. Not, okay, a little bit older yeah. than I thought. I thought he was like 21. Uh, but still, pretty young to have a kid. At least, what is this cat doing behind me? You see this cat? You should remember, Topson. Topson is from a family where he has eight siblings. I think it is. Oh, really? So, okay. yeah. So, if they're planning to like own about fifty percent of the world's population in twenty one hundred, he needs to, <laughs> you know, get to it. And then all of his ten children need to have ten each. It can go pretty fast if you. Yes, get to I it. think there's a lot of people in America that are trying that out as well. Uh, but to each their own. Uh, but yeah, congratulations. And we will be talking about another kid in December slash January in Slack. So a lot of oh, kids coming up. We're, we're, yes. we're getting old, man. I'm already old. Even you're getting old, Sindarin. How does yeah. it feel? Feels so, old, man. It feels old, man. Indeed. That's, that would be a good emote. So Immortal Treasure 3 was finally released, Cinderin, and of course the Battle Pass was extended, which we'll get to that second. First, let's talk about the treasure itself. I think this was met with, at best, lukewarm reception. Um, mm. I, was, I gave it a 3.5, so I'd say slightly better than average out of 5, that is. Um, yeah, mainly because fair. there's three ultimates that get changed, which is Clockwork, Pugna, and Tree, I believe are the three only ones. And yes, what were your thoughts on this chest? I think most people had more of a negative response than anything from what I um, saw. I think the ultra rare is super nice. Uh, that's the Phoenix one. So they oh, definitely wow. chose the right set to make the Holy ultra rare. Holy shit, really? You I think it's literally like the worst ultra rare I've ever seen, actually. I really like, but maybe it's I'm biased because I like Phoenix. Uh, so like objectively speaking compared to other ultras i can see where you're coming from it, i think it's definitely better than some others it's not the best but it's okay. good so among maybe ultra we... rares maybe that's like a 3.5 out of 5 sure 3.5 or 4 out of 5 i guess i okay i think it's solid what do you value more i had a lot of discussions with people and i was actually surprised that people are all over the place with this do you value the the cosmetic model itself on the hero or the particle effects that are the change of skill effect that comes with it? The hero itself. What would the pers what would the ratio be? I don't know. Two to one, three to one, maybe. Okay. Interesting. Because I, mean, I think the particles are more important. The skill change that is, is more important the spells, than the yeah. model itself. And it's like a 70, 30 for me is what I okay. would say. Uh, that yeah. people are like hey, with all that in mind, I, did, I can definitely see why you don't think the Phoenix is that cool. So, but yeah, I think I think the model itself is nice. I like the, it. The model itself is whatever for me. The the skill it changes too, which is unique. But they're bare. It feels like they're barely changed. So I I found that one very over or underwhelming. But I thought Pugna's ult looks incredibly good. Tree's ult was really cool. It's actually one that we were yeah, wanting to come cool. out with in our. It's cool. Back when we changed ultimates for our cosmetics. Uh, tree was on the next list, so it's cool to see that finally done. Clockwork ult is pretty meh. That's a hero you play a lot or used to, right? What did you yeah. think of him? Oh, I play it a lot. 
I have I have to admit, like I've been using this item since it came out, and I don't really notice it very much when I hookshot. Yeah. The primary thing I notice on the hero that's different is actually the attack animation and his idle movement, where he has this thing where he's like surfing with the hook almost. Mm. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you've noticed that he gets like a custom walking animation, and then some of his attack animations are different, where he's like jabbing instead of swinging. Um, I think that stands out more than the ult. Uh, and then we have... yeah, I don't know. You know, there's this trend that's happening in Dota right now that I don't like so much, which is these like giga headpieces um, <laughs> that are just, they're just huge, you know? And I know why they're doing it because when you look at the model from top down, that's how it becomes easier to see and actually do stuff. Uh, and this Pugna one is obviously a reference to Bruno at, I don't remember which TI it was with the crystal ball. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of the same headpiece. Um, so. I can definitely appreciate all those things. And it, for me, it would be cooler if this was like a one-off, but there's starting to be all these like really big headpieces. The Trayant one kind of falls into the same category, like these huge antlers or whatever you want to call them. Um, but outside of that in this chest, both the Lich and Oracle, I think, are kept in a reasonable... Lich is also kind of big, but... It's a very pretty big headpiece. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But the, the Oracle one, I think, is really nice. I actually really think it fits the hero, and I love the color scheme of that one. So that is probably my favorite outside of the Phoenix. It's probably the Oracle one, just for the cosmetic. Uh, and the coolest effect is either Trance Ulti or the Lich Gaze, I yeah. think. The Lich I would gaze say is it's good. between Pugna and Lich for me. Yeah, the Sinister Gaze effect is really good. Oracle's is Purifying Flame is a bit underwhelming, but again, it's Purifying Flame, so it's not like you're going to get much out of it anyway. Yeah, why uh, choose then, that spell though? I mean, what? I think Fates. Does Fates Edict have one yet? I'm trying to remember how many Immortals the. A custom, the oh, you has. mean which ones have already been made custom? Yeah, it's possible it's the only one that's. There's a custom I mean, ulti one. No, which there's one no. That on? There's definitely no False Promise yet. Uh, which that's they like his most iconic spell. Maybe they don't want to change that because of how. But they've changed everything else. Yeah, they're, right? yeah, so, they're going to change everything. Yeah. Um, Gyro's homing missile. It crawls now, which I don't know. I didn't really have a strong opinion one way or the other. It's 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 a cool concept, but then it's kind of weird when it's going through terrain. You know, it's just <laughs> just all it, right. It just starts running, up. and then after three seconds, it flies. Right, so it's like it's oh, picking up speed okay. to I didn't accelerate. Know okay, and the, the guy you put it on gets a space invader over their head, right, as the target. Okay, maybe I didn't test that out enough. Then invader, I think. Okay, fair uh, enough. That's what they get over their head. Cool. Well, Phoenix um, sucks, so um, we have that that we disagree on, at least. So with the chest, of course, the battle pass was officially extended. We're gonna, I'm going to read it off exactly. The battle pass will be extended three more weeks until October 9th with the results of the Arcana vote revealed at that time. Hint, it's a purple melee carry that can cross distances with ease. During this final stretch, each battle pass owner can purchase up to two bundles, 60 levels at 30% discount. So if people wanted a few more levels or even a shit ton of levels for pretty cheap, now is definitely the time. I yep. did not upgrade. I'm going to say this every time. I don't want anything out of the Battle Pass this year for whatever reason. Just none of it speaks to me. But I was a little surprised they went with three weeks. That seems like a long time. I thought it would be, all right, now that Immortals are out, we'll give you an extra week. They've already extended, I think, two weeks before that even. So this will end up being over a month, five weeks worth of extra Battle Pass time for people to grind I think, it's, I think it's a way of giving people 
Like if you give people the last minute incentive of buying levels, since a lot of the rewards are temporary, they should feel like there's some value to having even the temporary stuff. And if that's one week, it's like, are you going to push or are you going to feel rewarded when you get that stuff and you can use it for a few days compared to if you can use it for a few weeks, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good move. Uh, Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I haven't used the, the offer. The only thing I would really be using it for is either if I wanted to push for the uh, the ages, or if I wanted to try to get the Phoenix, uh, the Phoenix Ultra Rare, which I was lucky enough to have gifted. And uh-huh. if I get it, I, I'm supposed to trade it back. But I don't know if I if I will get it. Wait, the what? odds on that. If if you're, I was sitting down and I was just looking at it. And if you're specifically buying levels only for the purpose of getting an Ultra Rare. That has like less than four or three, four percent or whatever per treasure. The value, like the return on investment, is you need to really like that set, or it needs to be really expensive. What is basically. what is your level? Seven hundred something, I think. Well, obviously, you're not going to sp- spend money leveling it up now. <coughs> What's the point well, of that? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's only if I wanted the Phoenix or if I wanted the Aegis, right? Then I could buy I'm the I'm sitting on and- level 700, but I didn't feel I needed to upgrade any further. Meanwhile, I'm on 160 or whatever I'm at. Oh, wait, you didn't get any of the Immortals. Or sorry, the Arcanas. Nope, no Arcanas. Not interested, Cinderin. You I'm have telling to you. get Quop. It's the best set they've ever made. Well, I disagree. I think it's the second best, but I don't play the hero at all. Oh, so. you think Windranger is the best, right? That's true. Yes, and I also don't play Windranger. I mean, I don't play any of them. So, fair enough. Other than Pudge, but again, we've definitely been on this. That was when I went into the to the battle pass. I was like, I want to get Windranger, and that was like the end of what I wanted. And the rest of the levels have honestly just come on top from like playing or, mm. uh, yeah, just getting levels passively. It's so hard to gauge where you're gonna end up. Right, like if you're trying to hit 575, you need to undershoot because you just get levels passively by playing, by winning yeah. games, by betting, by. But then, if you want something immediately, then the, you have to make that difficult decision to do it immediately, right? Jungle, whatever it's called, caverns. There was actually a post today saying we actually like the side shop. I'm like, huh? And then yeah. I read the comments and like we hate the side shop. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like nobody actually agreed. Uh, All right, so ESL1 Germany 2020 has been announced. The Europe slash CIS region will be October 5th to November 1st. Prize money, $400,000. Right now, the teams that are invited are Secret, OG, Enigma, Liquid, Alliance, NIP. By the way, I noticed that we say NIP, right? I say an IP. Oh, I feel like... Am I the only person that says NIP? I feel like Dota yeah. people say NIP. Is that wrong? I will definitely say an IP. I, that's fine for you to say. But it. you're not the only one. You're not the only one, I think. Okay, because in Counter-Strike and Valorant, but that's why everyone we're says NIP. Everyone. I've just been saying yeah. NIP forever. That's honestly. because they are sponsored in those games. <laughs> uh, also, VP, <laughs> Navi, Viking.gg, Hellraisers, Flight of Moon, and what's Misery's team called again? I just Five see the men. face. Five men, and then four qualifier um, spots to follow. There's actually some hot, fresh news right now, Ooh, Shannon. Spice. Which is Navi, 18 minutes ago, announced that they signed Fly to Moon's roster for ESL1 Germany. 
which means I guess there's another team spot because you just said both Navi and Flight to Moon are going. Well, does it say what they're doing with Navi, (laughs) the original? That's the question. Like, what are they going to do with that spot? I mean, they could Uh, have two teams, right? Because this isn't a I don't know if ESL. Yeah, they could. I don't know if ESL is going to allow that because of like worries about match fixing or you know stuff like that. Like tournaments. I think tournaments and the reason Valve do it, or I know the reason Valve do it, is to disincentivize people from organizing results, right? And even in a tournament of this scale, 400 grand, you could always worry that in games that don't matter, for example, in a group stage or whatnot, that two teams can just organize the result uh, because both orgs can benefit from it somehow. Or if one team can progress in the tournament and the other one can't, that they lose on purpose, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's always those worries. I'm not saying the teams are doing it, but a lot of the times it just feels better to eliminate the possibility right? Mm-hmm. that an organization can do that. I remember, I think it was one TI actually, and it was after that one that Valve made the rule. Alliance was playing against EG, and there was so much speculation going into that game that yeah. one team was going to lose on purpose to the other one to give them a better seed. Right? Which and it's just, I can... it just sucks, you know? Yeah, that the speculation is going to be there. I think for that one in particular, like for it anybody that's the case. everybody that's in the know knows for hundred percent there's no way that was a thing yeah that was not uh, the case but but in other games that's definitely been a thing we've we're not going to get into this today but there's even more news about match fixing uh, across like counter-strike valorant apparently super hardcore details have not been revealed yet so we might wait to talk about that next week or if at all because we feels like we've been de- beating that with a dead horse Beating that with a dead horse. That's a new one. Damn. Damn, that horse. You're strong. <laughs> that horse is going ham. Uh, next thing on the agenda, Dota TV license agreement has been updated. Uh, trying to debate what part I read here. Um, let's see. As a community member, you have Valve's permission to produce community streams about Dota 2 events only if all of the below applies to you. The content of your community stream is based exclusively on Dota TV and content you have originally created or licensed. You fully comply with any event streaming requirements that the operator may choose to publish. That's the big one. If no event streaming requirements have been published by the operator, then your community stream will still be non-commercial. So there's an FAQ. I don't want to read all of this, Sindarin, mm-hmm. uh, but there's a couple that I think we should. Um, yeah. Essentially, it comes down to, again, the wording is a bit vague. It's all about what is considered reasonable by the organizer? Right. Who, who's the person looking? It's Valve's perspective. What is considered reasonable, which we don't know exactly. Uh, which ones do you think we should read out of this <clears> list? <throat> what event streaming uh, requirements would you consider reasonable? How about that one? That's the one I would read. Those four bullet points, and that's the most important Okay, thing. so the answer is, it is not possible to come up with an exhaustive set of possible requirements, but here are some that we would, re- we would consider reasonable if an operator imposed them. So before we even go to this list, do you think that that is not possible to come up. I feel like that's very easy, actually, to come I, up with a list. <laughs> I don't know. It's like an all-encompassing thing could become quite... It's like either you make it really strict so that it covers everything, or if you want to cover everything, it's going to be a wall because you want to make like exceptions or you want to make something softer and other things harder, blah, blah, blah. Usually when lists of rules or guidelines are short, it's because they're absolute, right? It's like Mm. the operator can force you to use all of their sponsors, and that's just it, you know? 
if that's the like... case, then that is simple to write. You know what I mean, right? Like I'm just, I, I'm I saying, know what I think you the mean. Reason, I... I think the reason they're wording it like this is because in Valve's perspective, it's always case by case and some things are outliers and they don't want to make it this like extremely strict guideline. I think that's just their attitude. I'm not saying it's impossible. It is so, possible, but I do we'll, think it comes at a price. To put I think we'll talk about the things. ramifications of this wording. Is sure, yeah. they are the ones that are going to have to deal with all the people emailing them if they want to deal with that. That's fine, I guess. So here are the require are the uh, requirements or whatever. So requiring the producers of community streams to sign up through a free and public process set up by the operator of the event. Okay, keeping the community stream strictly non-commercial including the logos of certain tournament sponsors in the community stream, provided that the sponsor's product are legal in the territory that the community stream is targeted at, and having a time delay of up to 15 minutes. That is, we were talking about the what's considered reasonable and not reasonable, yeah. and I was saying I, thought... I wish I could get 10 minutes, and it's 15 mm -hmm. minutes. That is enormous amount of delay. If you remember, we talked about this last time, and I thought what it meant with the reasonable delay that it was a way for the tournament organizer to make sure that the rebroadcast or whatever you want to call it did not have less delay. Not that they would have significantly more. I thought it was their way of imposing you have to stream it with the exact same delay we do, but up to mm -hmm. 15 minutes more is indeed quite long. And I don't know if it's necessary. Um, and I once mean, again, from my perspective, I still think it's still a gut feeling. I don't have the numbers backing it up. I think it's in both sides' interest to work together here. And it's better for both the streamer and for the tournament organizer, if it's a big streamer, that is, like, say, the likes of Bulldog and Gork or whatever, that the tournament organizer works with them to make a product where their numbers contribute to a sponsor deck. And then they don't have to have a different delay or something that makes their stream less appealing than the mainstream because it's cooperation. And then it's good for the tournament, whoever what gets watched, whether it's them or the big streamer, and when they get watched and who does. It, it's all about the bottom line numbers and selling that in the deck, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, but if the community streamers don't want to, then as a tournament organizer, essentially it's in your interest to make it their experience as bad as possible out of business reasons, which sucks, right? So that's why I'm kind of just hoping that right, we talked they will about work together. But... Was it last week or the week before where I said... The very first tournament will abuse this because they should mm. from a business perspective. Right. Yeah. And Dota Pit has done that. Uh, I don't have the exhaustive list on hand, but I'll just name a few things that they are adding as requirements. I actually <clears> missed <throat> out on what their delay would be, but I assume they use the full 15 minutes. I think uh, so, yeah. So things that they require right now, assets from the assets category. You need normal overlays, yeah. group stage brackets that you need to self-edit, offline screen graphics, loading screen graphics, Results of the day graphic versus screen graphics. And the big one that I mentioned was offline. Like they want you to change your offline logo on your stream to be their advertisement. Then they Does send that... you. Yes. Does Twitch really work that way anymore? When your stream is offline, does it show an offline image? Yes. Because I've been checking it. Like if I go to my stream, for example, maybe I don't have one set. Like when I check offline streams, it. When just takes me to a different, it takes me to the home screen where it shows other oh, things. I see what you're saying. Yeah. It, Recent it, broadcasts. The new. Uh, I don't know how you see the offline sure. screen. I actually don't know how to do it. I've tried to see it because I might want to edit mine, but I, it just doesn't show. So I was like, well, if nobody sees it, why would I change it? Right. I'm not sure how it looks on a new one. Don't but know. anyway, 
in addition to all that, they give you a bunch of video ads that you need to play. Uh, you need to provide analytics, which I think is actually reasonable. That's a very normal thing, believe it or not. Uh, this is going to be a bit of a culture shock for like streamers, but providing analytics. It shows like, if you. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Shows what? It shows if you click chat. So it's still there, but you need to specifically, when you go to the channel, click on chat. Sajajin oh, just okay. pointed that out. That's true. I just tested. That's it. That seems so, to be the only way, but like who does that, right? Goes to a stream. Oh, it's offline. Let me click chat so I can see the offline screen. Well, the old, that, uh, yeah, it made sense for the old one, right? But the new one, not yes, so much. Exactly. So those are the general requirements for Dota Pit. And I think it's very clear that, uh, I mean, again, this is from Val's perspective. We have no idea, since everything is so vague, what is considered reasonable or unreasonable based on just four bullet points that they made. But from my perspective, this is very unreasonable for the most part. Uh, like if I'm doing a, first of all, 15 minute delay probably is just enough to go along with the overlays on like your Dota. I think mm -hmm. those two alone is more than enough for any tournament for the most part. I would not expect any analytics thing, of course. I would never expect, like if I was running a tournament, I would never expect people to play video ads or have these graphics they need to edit themselves. But I think all in all, it's very clear. And again, I can't even blame Dota Pit for this because it's in their current right to do so. But mm -hmm. the main purpose of putting up rules such as this that are so strict, they just don't want anybody casting at all because no one's going to abide by these rules. So this is what I think is good about the fact that they're doing it is that you test the waters, right? When you put in rules like this, <clears throat> like you pointed out, some people are going to try to squeeze them and get as much out of it as possible. And now we get to see, okay, are the rules bad? Like, <laughs> is it okay that the organizers can do this? Uh, what ends up happening actually? Like it's one thing to impose the rules and people are like, this is way too strict and what are they doing? And man, this sucks, blah, blah, blah. Let's see who ends up streaming the games, right? Like, let's see what the result is when you go that far as the organizer. How far are the community streamers willing to go? Will they watch the games at all? Or will it literally only be the tournament? And if so, how is the tournament going to look? Like, what's the look for them? What's the community reaction? How many viewers are they going to have? when the other streamers are on, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like a test that we we don't have a precedent for this, so we don't know how it's going to go. Um, uh, so I, I'm going to disagree. In a way, in a way it's good. In a way, it's good that they're going this far just so we can see, right, in this first tournament, what ends up happening. Because yeah, they could have but... also taken a soft approach and taken everybody on board, and then, yeah, it looks fine. And then in a year, when tournaments start really tightening their rules, then suddenly it's, it's bad. Why not find out early, right? But that, so the I'm problem not saying is they're doing the community a favor. They're doing it in their own interest. Of the course. problem is you're not really trying. You're not finding the true result of these rules because the rules are so vague. Like you're seeing the most extreme restrictions being put, right? Yes. Which of course is going to be blowback. And now there's going to be like a bunch of viewers of a certain of certain streamers that are going to bombard Dota Pit now as a result. So it's probably a net negative for them for sure. Um, but it. I think it's all a ramification of just having such vague rule set. I, I, I still disagree. I understand it takes more work initially, but mm. write it, like saying that it's impossible. <laughs> Literally, they say it's impossible to write an exhaustive list when you don't really need to go super in depth, depending on what you want to do. Maybe Valve has something else in mind, but the things that I mentioned, I think, are all you really need: the delay time, the assets on screen during the game itself, and the analytics. Those are the three main ones that I think are 100% necessary and more than enough to give tournament organizers okay. what they need, which is exposure. 
from these. Let me give you sponsors. an example. Let's say the rules said you can have maximum 15 minutes delay and you need to use all assets that the tournament uses, right? The wording that they've already chosen is pretty good in the sense that the sponsor's products are legal in the territory that the community stream is targeted at, right? Right. Uh, so, for example, in some countries, certain beverages or certain like gambling or whatever could be illegal or whatever it is. Uh, then they don't have to promote something that's illegal in their home country. But could you imagine that the tournament is promoting something where you're like, you can't enforce this on community streamers that they have to promote this product, <clears throat> even though it's legal. Like, let's say the rules just say you have to use all sponsors that the tournament organizer uses. And in both, the, okay, in both of the tournament country and in your country, uh, let's just say gambling is legal and you enforce, you have to use gambling ads mm -hmm. and there's no like exception. So either you do this or you don't. And you can be like, like, it's not within my ethics. We've talked about this before that some streamers were worried that they were like, I don't want to promote gambling. Then is that just, okay, you can't do this tournament. And what if it was something even more controversial? Like, I don't know what it could be. Right. But just like, Theoretically speaking, I think that's what Valve tries to protect themselves against is that if they go into absolutes that they enforce people to do something that they can't stand behind that they have forced them to do, then they would rather play it safe so that we don't get into a situation where, oh shit, Valve allowed this to happen. So where the I'm streamers looking at it from a different to promote, I, like whatever. I'm not looking at it from one extreme though. Like I, I'm not expecting them to create some long contract and you have to follow it to the letter of the law. I'm fine with some ambiguity but right now mm -hmm. it's a very wide range sure. of that which is yeah. the issue so i think narrowing it down a bit will go a long way for literally every party involved um because <clears throat> yeah. now they're gonna have to look at like each tournament and say whether this is reasonable or not reasonable. because every tournament someone will email them complaining about the rules right is that mm -hmm. is that actually what's going to happen well, they're just going to look at every single tournament because if they're going to do that already you might as well make the rules a little bit more uh, defined so that you don't have to worry about all that shit. I think Valve doesn't know either what the response is going to be. And their usual approach to things is they have an idea, they test it, and then they reiterate, right? It's the data-driven model. So this is their idea. They're going to run it. If everybody hates it, they're going to revise it. And they might get a shitload of emails that they have to answer. And somebody probably has to answer all those. Or if they don't answer <laughs> them, it's pretty bad, right? Yeah, I um, can't picture them answering at the beginning. kind of... <laughs> you're setting yourself up for this when you do this so this is a conscious choice right like they're not That's expecting true. nobody to email them they even pro provide the email directly that you can write to if you have any questions or mm -hmm. complaints uh i have two things by the way i just want to say before we move on so the first one is about the chat thing or about the offline screen rather uh i may have underestimated how much it matters because technically as somebody pointed out in chat when your stream goes offline everybody who's watching your stream will see the offline screen so let's say Gorgor Bulldog or whatever was casting a game and they had 10K viewers, they go offline. Now everybody who was AFK uh, and comes back will see that tournament. So it actually, you know, it has value to have an offline screen like that. It's not just when you go to the channel while it's offline. It shows for everybody when you go off. But I would imagine most tournaments will have in their requirements that if you go offline, you host our stream. I don't know if they can do that when in terms of service with Twitch, though. I actually think that's not allowed. So maybe they can't do that. Yeah, uh, not sure. I know for a fact that hosting, hosting as a commercial service is not allowed by Twitch guidelines. You can't pay people to host your stream. That's against TOS. Uh, 
as far as I'm aware, unless they changed that. I seem to remember hearing about that a couple years back. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention was about Valve's guidelines, where it says keeping the community stream strictly non-commercial. Do you, do you find this a simple rule? I find it a bit complex. When is a stream commercial? Does this mean I am casting a game in their tournament? Do I have to switch off all like all subscriptions, donations, uh, even follows are technically commercial because when people follow your stream, you know it generates more revenue. So for you to watch that game is inherently right. commercial because it's content. Like, what does non-commercial mean? I mean, does I, it mean you I, can't display it? Does it mean you can't allow it? Or like what? That, I mean, that's kind of the problem. It's it's that's, up for interpretation. But I mean, the way that I originally read it just means if you have a sponsor, a streaming yeah. sponsor, you can't show it. That's but the way you, I read it. And but you're you right. You can show subscription alerts, for example. I would assume that's commercial, right? People subscribe for your content, and your current content is watching the tournament. That's commercial, isn't it? Right. Like, technically, yes. No, I understand what you're saying. I don't think that's what it means. But again, you could argue one the, way or the other because it's not clear, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. So again, this is like the vagueness here that kind of. That would be. I think this, <laughs> this is probably really a legitimate bad. concern for some streamers when they read this line. They're like, okay, is it commercial if I, if I abide to all the tournament's rules and I do everything they want me to, but I can't even get the usual resubscriptions that I normally get on my stream because that is considered commercial? Then this is like a killer for every streamer that's big, then. If you can. I mean, based on Dota Pit's current requirements, it's already a killer. But yes, I agree that would make it even worse. Yeah. I, I'm with you. That can't be what it means. But the problem is there is a very high likelihood that this still becomes a topic that Valve have to answer to, right? They just have yeah. to answer this because it's not specified. So. By the way, chat just reminded me. I, I would like to say thank you and welcome Cinderin's Mouth. It has been mm. 71 episodes, and we finally get to glimpse at that beautiful hole in your face. So have thank I you, Cinderin. Since the start? Yeah, I guess I have. Probably. I don't know. You were just too lazy to move to your site. I don't understand what happened. I probably used my headset, didn't I? I actually don't remember. It's a long time ago. Well, congratulations. It's it's a oh, real boy. treat. You uh, love the mouth. Next thing on Jelicht CIS reshuffle. I'm literally just going to read a Reddit thread right now. These are all rumors yep. of mm -hmm. shuffling within the CIS region. Uh, ILTW will leave VIP. Uh, VP. VP. VIP. <laughs> what am I thinking? That used to be an incredible mode back in the Half-Life days for anybody that's played. Uh, you'd play as a VIP and people would have to protect you and you have to get to another side of the map and the other team is supposed to kill the VIP and the VIP only has a pistol. Have no idea why that's never been remade into another game because that was such a cool mod. Somebody make that game, please. I will... Uh, play it. You have one player that will play it. Oh, anyway, back to VIP, aka Virtus Pro. Uh, Ramses will be position one, apparently. No one, two. Resolution three. Zayak four. And Solo five is the rumor. Uh, VPP. So Ramses out of EG2. Yes. Back to VP. Back home. Uh, VPP. New players are GPK from Gambit and Ilias from Navi, which we know that is. Navi is probably not a thing anymore as they will become, uh, what is their name? Flight of Moon. Also, 
Team Spirit's new squad is Yataro, MLG winner, Collapse, Sobad, and Mipushka. And Suneko joins Gambit to build a new team. I missed one, actually. Um, what team is this? FN, ILTW, and Afterlife are joining Na'Vi, which, again, is maybe not Yeah, Na'Vi I don't anymore. know what's going on now. And I don't know how good these rumors are, like how trustworthy they are. It could be complete is... bullshit. Yeah. I don't know. Um, what I think, as far as the region goes, is if Na'Vi is shoveling, uh, shoveling, shuffling, <laughs> Uh, Ilias, I think, impressed a lot of people on the five, so I think he will find a good team. So this VPP thing seems possible. Uh, GPK is probably the best talent in the region right now. In some people's minds, he is the standout player right now. So for Polar, or sorry, Prodigy for picking him up makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, Ramsey's coming back to VP. Could be because of multiple reasons and could just be false, right? We don't know if this is true or not. Uh, but obviously, I think for VP, this would be really good. I think he was a pretty big driving force in their success. And I think it's hard to see it until it's gone. Uh, I think Ramsey's... My impression of Ramsey's versus ILTW in this team is that Ramsey's takes more charge and calls more accurately what he wants in the game. That would be my guess. And that's what they maybe feel like they're lacking a bit, is that uh, more vocal care player. Not to say ILTW doesn't call, because he does. Uh, but I think maybe Ramses has like a one up there. And if he wants to go back to Russia to play there, I believe the contracts with EG expired or something. So, because uh, usually the players sign until next TI, right? Yeah. And this is when TI would be over. So the contract would end maybe September 1st or something. So yes, then I was going to say, I was going to bring up EG since a lot of people listening will be more interested in that than anything. Um, what is this potential? Again, these are all rumors, but let's say mm -hmm. the contract thing is true. So Ramsey's would no longer be there. Abed has not been playing with him anyway, so he's probably not on there either. So that leaves Arteezy, right. Crit, and Fly. Crit, is he even in the U.S. right now? Don't think so. I think he's at home in Denmark. I'm guessing. And then Fly, I don't know. Was he? Is he also not in the U.S.? Don't know. Arteezy is the only one that's N.A., like, normally. So yep. the oh, whole roster does, is up in Fly the air. Li Fly lives in the U.S., right? Or in Canada, Oh, that's right. Yeah, he lives in Canada, but he's where. from Israel, right? Yeah, that's how it is. He's like dual citizenship, I think. Um, so rosters, pretty much. I mean, not only their roster, but maybe the reason that they're not even gonna have a roster for the foreseeable future is because there's nothing in Dota anyway, right? You have <laughs> ESL, which yeah, it's an online tournament. It's four hundred k. It is considerable. It's EU. So, wait, did we even mention them? Does EG was there? Were they on that list? Which list? Again. The uh, ESL. ESL? Yeah. Don't think so? I No, they're not on no, the list. So we're assuming that they did not accept an invite, which means that they won't be in EU, right? There's nothing in NA. So EG's roster might just be like on hold for a long time. There's some speculation right now that if this Ramsey's rumor is true, they could be getting Ice 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 because Ice 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 was open to playing in another region, and he has left Fnatic, right? But um, he'd have to come to the U.S., <laughs> right? Yeah. During these times. Yeah, well, during, I mean, these times, they everyone might just lie low for a month or two or three, right? Like, True. just wait. If you're not in the ESL1 tournament, and I think there's one other tournament going on, uh, smaller scale, then... Or during that time, rather, there might be one other event or something. How do you think Isis Ice would be on EG? Let's just assume. Let's just assume Abed is not. I, I'm 
Mm-hmm. Again, I don't have details, but Abed, I would be surprised considering he hasn't been playing with him at all recently. He's even on the roster. I think Let's he might get, stay. Okay, if he actually. does, that's great. He's a really good talent, obviously, but it's the offlane position, which is what Ramsey's was playing, which, again, that was really random, but he's going to be back to position one, I believe, with VP. So Ice Ice Ice, offlane, obviously that's a fit, but yeah. personality and, and whatnot, do you think that would be... A good thing for him or EG? I think, so what I don't know about EG, I think one of their biggest, their biggest Achilles heel from my perspective to go from third to first in tournaments is predictability and drafting. And I don't know if that's because of, like, I don't want to point any fingers and be like, this is the guy who's the reason or this is the guy or whatever. Like, however they're running the team seems to make their drafts a bit too flat is what I want to say. That's where a player like Ice 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 is awesome because his hero pool is literally everything. He plays, hmm. I don't know. I can't think of a hero this guy can't play. So if you want to diversify your drafting, he's a very powerful player to have because he can play farm intensive. He can play super active. Uh, he can play all the quirky and weird heroes. I think Ramses as offlane was a bit more limited in that sense uh, because the way they played him was a little bit more monotonous, I want to say. Uh hmm. But that's not necessarily a player problem. That might be a management problem with how they're assigning their players' roles and their like ideology about the game where EG was just too easy to read, I think, for the absolute best of the best. like In terms of individual skill, I wouldn't say EG weren't in reach of getting into finals and winning them more often than they have in general. Um, so don't know if it's flying Bulba that are being a bit too conservative or if the players don't feel comfortable trying way too much crazy stuff and they're actually trying for it, like whatever it is. Uh, but that's where I think the big move needs to be uh, for them to really get to that like top, top echelon in terms of... Well, then ice size should help so just... He's a great fit for that, yeah. at least. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, I, w- I personally think it would be a, an awesome fit for their team, but there's obviously complications, right? He has a child. He's from Singapore, I think it is. So like... Is he going to move his family there? Is he actually going to live there? Or will he just be there for boot camps? And how does practice go when he's at home? Mm. Uh, all this stuff where the other players they've had, like with Abed, you see right now what the complications are, right? If you can't travel, he's not even playing their online tournaments because the delay is too bad. Uh, so that's obviously a bit of a, a problem. But yep. yeah, I think he's a great fit. We'll see. Yeah, that would be really cool. If Ramsey even leaves, like maybe all of this is just bullshit and nothing yes. happens because it's completely unconfirmed. And then, you know. I'm sure like but an hour after this episode gets released, it will be confirmed uh, that we are wrong. <laughs> sure. All right. Uh, moving on to non-Dota related stuff. PS5, Cinder, the PlayStation 5 will be launching yes. in November uh, in US, Japan, Canada, Mexico, Australia, New Zealand, and South Korea on November 12th, and then the rest of the world on the 19th. So November 12th is two days after the Xbox Sex uh, comes out, I believe. The PS5 will come with flagship games such as Devil May Cry 5 Special Edition, Final Fantasy. What I don't even... I'm really bad 16. with Roman numerals. That's 16. 16. Okay, I can see it now. Good. Thank you. Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach. What? That, is that a famous game? I've never heard... Five Nights at Freddy's is huge on YouTube. Oh, it's God. Like a re- it's a I really just aged game. myself so bad. Uh, Hogwarts <laughs> no, Legacy. Apparently a, a a Harry Potter game and a new God of War title, which is what got everybody Ooh. excited. Although I'm not sure if that one will be on release. I think they said 2021 actually for that one. Uh, 
So yeah, PlayStation 5 is coming. If you had to choose one of the two, Cinderin, mm-hmm. PS5 or, or the Xbox X, what would you choose? PS5. Why? Just because of the exclusives? Uh, I've, I mean, first of all, I've, I've never, I've never owned a console. Actually, we've talked about this, right? I've, oh, well, that's not true. I've had Game Boys. That's actually the consoles I've had. I've never had a PlayStation. Uh, the Switch that we have at home and play on a lot is technically my girlfriend's. So I don't, it's not mine either. Have you Uh, played it? The Switch? Yeah. Yeah, loads. I play a lot on the Switch. I played on it way more than she did. But it's her switch, so it's not. I really mean, my, that that counts whatever. as having a, counts, a console. Yeah. But I've but never it, had a PlayStation or an Xbox. I find PlayStation, I think overall on average, to have better games as far as I've seen. Uh, and I think I like like the overall design and the even the controller more. I would so, say. Okay, so things. I I've had a lot of consoles. Okay, I'm gonna list every console I've had based on memory okay. alone. So first of all, I would agree that PS, the PlayStation just seems like a more solid choice because Sony just does a better job in general. They have get better exclusives on average. The Xbox, uh, their naming convention makes me really angry, so I hate them for that. <laughs> uh, their, their flagship games are not anything that I would buy a console for. Like Halo, I never gave a shit about Halo. Uh, but I do like the Xbox controller considerably more than the PlayStation, actually. Uh, in fact, I have one on my desk oh. for PC gaming. Made a custom Xbox. I I really like the, their their control. Anyway, I've had. Let's see if I can remember. I've had the Game Boys, of course, but had the original Nintendo. Then I went to Super Nintendo. I never had Sega Genesis or anything like that. So from Super Nintendo, we got a PlayStation. And then instead of getting a PS2, this is when my luck stopped. And there's PlayStation was like the best console ever. For some reason, I got duped into buying the original Xbox. Garbage with that huge fucking controller. And then for some reason, I got the Xbox 360, also a terrible choice. And then for some reason, I didn't learn my lesson the second time, I got an Xbox One. Terrible fucking choice. Are you sure you aren't getting the Xbox again, just based on statistics (laughs) at this point? I'm ready to make... definitely the better choice. Hmm, But I've had Xbox the last three times. So it must be better then. (laughs) After the (laughs) Xbox One took a shit on us, uh, and the Kinect died within a year. We actually got a PlayStation 5 or 4. I wish I had the 5. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't like the UI personally, and the controller's not as good, but everything else is just infinitely better than the Xbox. So uh, I don't think I'll get either of them, but there we'll see what Nikki does. There are two versions of this, by the way. Uh, is the only difference whether it has the, the drive or not? I think so. Yeah. So the ones so for you pay $100 for a Blu ray drive. Yep. Basically. And all of the games are available digitally anyway. So this is just for people that like having the discs? Uh, well, some is people, like if you have a movie collection that's in Blu-ray, physical discs as well. Yeah, then you can watch games. movies on it. Yeah, Right. Okay. Otherwise, you have to rely Fair on enough. using Plex or something to that degree. But I believe, okay. yeah, the hardware is going to be the same in both. Unlike... I have no idea what this kind of stuff costs. Is that a good value proposition? $100 to be able to run Blu-rays? No. Or how much... A Blu-ray if you had player... to just buy a thing to run a Blu-ray, how much does that cost? Okay, so all I... I haven't done this in a long time, but I know Blu-ray for like the PC drive, if you were to get a Blu-ray yeah. player that could also like do DVD-R, write and read and write, mm-hmm. it would be like $30. It's like super cheap. Super cheap. Okay. I don't know if that's changed recently. Um, but for the PlayStation, Things tend yeah, to not get more 
expensive over time in technology. Right. If it's the same technology, it tends to get cheaper over time. So, so I don't know why it would be $30 a year ago and now it's 60 That would just right. be and that, random. And that's, not a, that's a DVD-R writer as well, which is not the case yeah. for the PlayStation. So I couldn't tell you. Uh, but uh, in similar news, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to finish off on the PlayStation. There's one game that was announced for this that's obviously, or not obviously, but it's the one that piqued my interest the most. Uh, Susie was talking about whether we should get this console because of it. Because it comes with, uh, or it doesn't come with, but Demon Souls is getting remade for this console. It's one of the, I think it's the first game in the Soulsborne series. So in the the whole, the most famous one is Dark Souls, right? You've heard about that. But Demon yep. Souls is the first one. And apparently the remake looks incredible. Like it's, this is something that people have differing opinions on when it comes to remaking games. Some people are like, I'm just happy that the game comes on my console or my computer so I can play it again like I used to. And others are like, when games get remade, let's get them up to speed with what technology can really do. Mm-hmm. And supposedly this remake is like actually really good with the graphics and everything. Like it looks sick. It supposedly runs really well. Uh, whereas a lot of remakes, you know, are a lot lazier. Like let's say, for example... On the Nintendo Switch, when they re-released a lot of the old Mario games, it's a literal port. That's it. There's nothing changed. It's the exact same game, and they take the original retail price for it almost, which, you know, is that really cool? Like, you copy the same game. It's 20 years old. Can you really ask for 40 euros for that? Uh, You know, and then there's other games like Zelda uh, Link's Awakening, where they remade the entire art style. And if you like that, that's great. And if you don't, then, you know, but at least it's a remake. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not a copy. Uh, and supposedly the Star- Demon Souls remake is sick. So uh, I think that's another thing it has going for it. Cool. The other games, never played them. Devil May Cry, I think, is pretty big. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, I've definitely heard of, especially on YouTube. And then Final Fantasy is a big brand, right? So they've, like you said, they've got some really good titles. I don't know, which, one do you which one is bigger? Final Fantasy so is easily the biggest. Final Fantasy 16, Five Nights at Freddy's, Hogwarts Legacy, and God of War. Which one do you think draws most people? Final, Final Fantasy? Final Fantasy, yeah. Okay. For me, it's God, God of War. But... Huge too. Like it was a big hit. So that's something people are probably, you know, hungry so, for a second game. It's Final Fantasy 16. Don't know. True. But it has a lot of nostalgia value, I'm sure. Anyway, uh, moving on. Xbox, uh, cool little feature. We talked about xCloud in the past, which I believe they've partnered with Facebook. And this is kind of their transition from... I've already forgotten the name of their streaming service, Cinderin. Um, Who's streaming service? Microsoft. Microsoft? That uh, died. What is that called, guys? I remember Google Stadia, but that wasn't even streaming service. Uh, the one that died, that was the Twitch competitor, Mixer. Thank you. Oh, Mixer. Oh, yeah. So they've taken oh, some of that technology and put it into xCloud, which is this. So at first, we're kind of writing it off, but it sounds like it could be pretty cool. Apparently, you can use it to play Xbox games from your phone, which would have to be an Android. So... Think of it this way. You can play Xbox games from your Android phone. You can play apparently most of the Xbox One, Xbox sex games that are going to be coming out on your PC now. So this strategy of having your games being able playable on pretty much everything, not named Apple, is a really cool strategy. So that's one thing I will give Microsoft huge props for because that, yeah, you're going to probably sell a lot less consoles as a result, but the games are what makes the money, right? And being able to play us on so many PCs now and phones, that's really, really good strategy. The thing I'm curious about is, 
how many how big a fraction of the market wants to play their console games on the phone in general because like yes the functionality is cool and it's awesome that they've made it but how many people will actually use this like let's say you own an xbox and you have some games on your xbox that you really like don't you want the xbox experience of playing it on a full screen at home with your console on your couch rather than i just love this game so much i need to play it wherever i go i think you need an and play on my playing on my phone screen man like most games will be so much worse like let's be honest true it'll be so much worse to play on a phone than on your console at home i'm not talking performance here we're assuming if it's on this service that everything runs completely smoothly so that's beside the point but like take any beautiful new graphics game and you shove it into an android instead of playing it on a 40 inch monitor at home like isn't there just like a huge loss all right so i'm gonna say two things number one First of all, people will play games that are not better on a phone. PUBG Mobile is bigger than PUBG Normal, Cinderin, so it happens. Number two, I don't think you even need an Xbox to use this. You need oh. the Xbox gaming service and then the games. Pass. Yeah, the Game Pass, right. Right. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that's a totally different story because then I mean, it's suddenly a value proposition for people that don't want to buy the console. But then they can buy well, the that's pack. exactly what I'm saying. Like for me, I'm gonna get Fable 100% when it comes out because I love that game, and you can play it on your PC. And yeah. technically, I can play it on my phone if I have this. Oh yeah, thing. the PC argument. I I think the for me, but again, that maybe that's because I'm a boomer, right? It's because like for me, playing it on PC instead of console is appealing, <laughs> but playing it on phone instead of console is not. Like there are moments where I'm on the road. I'm like, yeah, I want to play something on my phone. I don't. I just don't know if I would pick up one of my big console like AA titles to put on my phone though. But I might be in a minority there or the segment is at least big enough that it matters. But with the pricing thing, that's huge, right? That you don't have to own the console. I don't know how much the console costs. It's like 300, 400 dollars. 300 and 400, yeah. I think. <clears throat> so uh, and, the, and the game pass was like, was it 25 a month? So that means if you don't buy the console, you can technically play on your phone with the game pass for almost two years without having the console and it would have cost great you value or on your computer mm -hmm. and you have access to all the games which also has value so yeah well, speaking of games in addition to this microsoft has apparently acquired bethesda which of course you guys know from elder scrolls fallout doom so the question now becomes will those become exclusives on well Based on their current strategy, I would assume that it's not going to be just mm -hmm. Xbox, but let's say Xbox and PC. But basically, it means you cannot get these games on PlayStation. That's kind of huge news, right? Because if you're Microsoft, that's what you're trying to do is deny Sony from getting exclusives. Because they have God of War, they have Final Fantasy, they have all these big name brands. Now, you have Halo plus all this stuff from Bethesda. That's kind of big news. So... Interesting to see what they do with that. Every time, every time a big company buys up a game studio, I'm also wondering what it does for the development, right? Because like the business side is one thing, uh, but we've seen examples of, for example, when Activision bought a Blizzard, it definitely changed the direction in which the games themselves headed with how they monetized, with what the content was supposed to be. Um, so it's not like exactly like Bethesda have been doing amazing lately anyway. Uh, but who knows if partnering up with Microsoft or being purchased rather is going to make is going to help them develop better games and change the direction of them 
um, curious to see that because that can be really hit or miss when big studios buy small studios. Not yeah. like Bethesda, but you get the idea. Well, I would say this, not that I have faith, like the way that Microsoft names every product is a joke, but they actually have good strategy. And like we talked about, sex. what's next that? Game. The next game will be Fallout Sex. Yeah, that's it could very well be. But they'd have had a lot of experience having uh having control of certain studios like Bungie, but I think Bungie actually separated from them, but then Microsoft still does Halo. But anyway, they have a lot of experience mm. with this, right? So I'm not mega worried about that. But final news of the night, which I thought this would be a fun topic, even though I know nothing about it, Cinderin. I saw this trailer. You guys should Google this, YouTube it or whatever. Farming Simulator, which I have never watched or played in my life. I just watched this clip and then watched a little bit on YouTube and still didn't fully understand it. Has a $100,000 esports tournament, which I find... Oh, it is? It's over? Okay. In the trailer, the finals was on 19th and 20th, right? Wasn't that what it said? Of September. (laughs) I think the finals are finished. Okay, well, it's finished. I think so. I think that is so cool. Okay, so I'm going to explain something and then you give me your thoughts. Mm -hmm. So I've talked a lot of shit about Overwatch, right? Right. When games come out and they just like force it into an eSport, they feel like it's an eSport. Some some of them, it makes sense, but others not so much. And when you're going to spend this much money making something an eSport, I tend to think that's kind of overkill and you should just let things grow organically. Farming Simulator has been, I don't know how many variations or versions they've come out with. This has been a game for a long time. This is as organic of a rise for an esports tournament that I've seen, which I think it's super nerdy and weird, and I don't understand it, but at the same time, it's really cool, and I'm glad to see it, although I didn't technically see it. (laughs) I don't really, so, so I've never played these simulator games. I just have this image in my mind of how they play out, and I'm trying to imagine how you do exciting commentary in PvP in Farming Simulator. Yeah. Because in that trailer, what you saw was like two different teams from different organizations that are playing at the same time. And I'm guessing the game, like maybe I'm just completely wrong here, but I'm assuming that if you make this an esport, make it competitive, it's about who gets to some sort of goal the fastest. So it's about it's a, being most efficient. It's a point right? system. Yeah. Being yeah. efficient. So it's about efficiency. Um, like either way, like even if it doesn't appeal to us, like you said, it's cool. And I, I think it's, this genre is so much bigger than a lot of people think. Because these games, there's a reason they've made so many of them. Um, and it's a demographic that esports hasn't really hit, right? A lot of the people that play these games don't play the esport games. Now that this is an esport, that's obviously an exception, right? But mm-hmm. uh, there are so many people, like you hear all these stories about people who are farmers and then play farming simulator or people who are bus drivers and then they play bus driver simulator or whatever as like as a game on the side, like whatever, whatever it is. I'm not saying it's obviously. It's just, it's funny and different. And again, it's just, it's good for gaming that the, that the segments get, uh, gets broadened, right? So the fact that this gets bigger is... Uh, it's Imagine the sport. sponsors for that. Like you have Deer. Yeah. Is that the famous? Uh, is that what they're called? The green tractor type stuff. I figured that would be like a big sponsor potentially. But this actually reminds me. This is not a topic. John but Deere. What's that? John Deere. Oh yeah, John Deere. Yeah. Um, but Flight Simulator recently came out, the new one. And even though it's not something that ever would appeal to me, 
when I watched, like I watched a review on it and I'm like, I kind of want to buy this game because that looks fucking awesome. Uh, and I could see Flight Simulator having similar type tournaments. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely cool, definitely different. So the more the merrier, Senator. There's no, there's no such thing as a cap to how many people can enjoy quote-unquote esports. Mm-hmm. So with that, let's finish off with this question from... Which one do you want to do, Sundaran? Uh The top one, I guess. Just Question from Pitch Black, a.k.a. Joey. I got a question about something. If that's okay, it's okay. Do you think after the coronavirus thing has happened, <laughs> the way he says, we will ever get back to anything like two years ago regarding concerts, events, example, T.I.? Or do you think there will be regulations forever, like always testing when entering a venue, distance between everyone, and stuff like that? I imagine a world where everything is going to be under total surveillance, and my guess is that we cannot return to a normal event like in 2018 or 2019. I think that's a very dystopic outlook, I would say. Um, I think what this epidemic spawns, or pandemic rather, spawns is more how to say let's say it ends right we're all hoping for that that it gets eradicated eventually um that it it creates more awareness and understanding of how things spread and what to do in the moment that it happens not that we will take every cautionary measure possible to ever to prevent something like it from ever happening again at a smaller scale because you could obviously go in a direction where everybody has to wear masks forever, right? For example. But there's like a trade-off with quality of life versus safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with like social gatherings, washing your hands, blah, 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 all this stuff. Uh, my guess is when this is over, what happens is it might have made a change in like people's overall f- feeling of what distance is like how close you should just be to other people in general, which is a good thing, I think. Like keeping a bit of distance in public is fine. It doesn't hurt anyone. Uh, it might mean that some events put a bit more regulations on how many people can be crammed into a small space, but I don't think it's going to change forever the way events are going to be run, if that makes sense. That's my, that would be my guess overall. Yeah, but who I knows think, how long. I mean, I think a vaccine will eventually come in the next year or so. Uh, it will definitely help. I don't think it's going to eradicate or anything like that. But if you just look at other pandemics, people end up getting back to normal over time. And I think uh, like a lot of God, America is so, uh, most people will be educated uh, to where they will understand what, like you're talking about, what being hygienic means, not being stubborn, wearing a mask for a little while. Eventually, I think it's going to taper off. And we'll just get back to normal. I don't know if it's going to be next year or the year after or when that is. But, yeah, I could see things going totally normal again eventually. Yep. But we'll see. Uh, did you want to do a second question or is that are we, is our time up? No, okay. Second question from RPT. After the NBA All-Star Game revamp was a huge success, how would you change the TI All-Star Game to make it more fun to watch? Some ideas my pre-coffee brain had. Add prizes for the winning team. Or for each kill, cash slash charity donations slash COVID nineteen vaccinations. <laughs> have you five win COVID vaccinations. <laughs> have five cheeses instead of one for better hygiene. A crowdsourced <laughs> draft where viewers or attendees like to vote, pick each hero draft. 
or each hero during the draft stage, or change it to a region-based mini tournament where the top five players from each region from teams play knockout. So I'll go first. So the thing that mm-hmm. changed with the All-Star game, just so you, people know, uh, that's made it more entertaining. Uh, before, we had the East and Western Conference, okay? And I'm not going to talk about what that means during the regular seasons, but overall, you're going to have two conferences, one from East, one from West, and only players from those teams will play against each other, okay? They're, they're separated into two. It's been like that forever until, I believe, not this year, it was last year, uh, where you would have an East captain, and a West captain, and then they would just pick their teammates back and from forth. any any region, from any conference. But the player, the yeah. pool of players is already selected, so everybody's going to get selected from this pool. But they can choose whoever they want; doesn't matter what conference. And that yeah. has made things not only more interesting because you get to see East and West kind of intermix, which isn't as much of a thing during the regular season. Uh, you only get to really see it during the finals of the playoffs. But also the picking stage itself is extremely entertaining. So I would actually love to see that broadcast live. I think that makes the game <clears throat> much more interesting. And I also think right. that it should be in something like ARDM, for sure. I don't know mm-hmm. how you intermix this with ARDM, but I think all the good All-Star games in the past have introduced a new hero. So if you want to do a regular game with a new hero, that makes it that much more interesting as well. So I think all those combined, in some respects, would make Tia Alsar, much better. Yeah, I agree with all of that, basically. I think the draft idea is good. Possibly Valve... They might not like the idea of the captains picking the players in order because it makes whoever gets picked last look bad or whatever. Like, that's the concern. What the NBA did, or maybe it was hockey did this first, the last pick gets a car. (laughs) (laughs) So you have people that have like I saw a hockey player have like a piece of paper. Please pick me last. I need a new car. <laughs> All right, that's pretty funny. Um, then you don't want to get picked second to last. Then you just move up yeah. the line, you know. Yep. Um, like there's there's different there's different options you could do to prevent that situation. You could be like the captains pick all the way until the last two players, and then they get randomed. Then nobody gets picked last. You just get assigned a team each, for example, or uh, you, you could imagine different ways of doing this, but I think the idea, I think ARDM is a really good mode that they haven't had for an all-star game yet, right? Have they had ARDM? Yes, I think. Yeah. Wait, wait, have they? No, maybe it was Captain's Wrath. <laughs> I think ARDM would be really good for this mode. It's yeah. dynamic, it's fun, lots of stuff is happening, people keep playing new heroes, uh, wacky item builds. Uh, the balance that has been difficult for Valve to strike with this is whether it's what sh- what it should be playing for, right? When they put in a money prize of like I, I don't know, the winning team got like a hundred grand or something, so twenty k per player. It's still the teams are still like very varied in how seriously they took it. So um, yeah, I, I don't know what the money incentive is. I feel like that's the challenging thing. But I like ARDM, I like the draft where the team pool or the player pool is pre assigned, but the captains get to choose who they want. Um, nobody's gonna pick my dog, of course, because he's fucking annoying onion wants to go for a walk for god's sake why won't you walk him (laughs) on a bed of onions please all right well it's a good timing because the episode is over cinderin um thank you for your time have you seen in bruges woof is that a dog for no yes 
Thank you. All right. Until next time, Suns fan and Cinder signing out. Have a great rest of your week, ladies and gentlemen. That sounded like an intro, but that's the outro. Goodbye. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening.